the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So if you are a Christ follower, here's my request of you. Let's make it hard to go to hell from where we are. Stop worrying about offending people. Stop worrying about turning your family members off. Would you, would you rather upset them today or spend eternity away from them? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. One day Jesus is coming back. And we're waiting on those resurrected bodies. Now, this is important because some of you have never heard this. You've heard you're going to get a resurrected body in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. But I believe the Bible teaches you also get a resurrected body in hell. You have a body because you're going to feel that torment. Christ followers immediately experience the presence of God. I believe this. Whether what I've just described is fully the way it happens, or or whether we get there and go, well, this was a little different. Here's what we know. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you breathe that last breath, you immediately enter into the presence of God. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me, be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Luke 23, 43 says, he said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. He was talking to the thief on the cross. By the way, that was a bedside, a deathbed conversion, wasn't it? Because all you got to do is trust the grace of God. You don't, you don't do anything yourself. In the same way, unrepentant souls immediately experience the punishment of God. So that's what this, this teaches us. If you follow Jesus, you're immediately in the presence of God. If you don't choose to follow Jesus, you immediately begin what is your forever destination, which is punishment. So whatever happens immediately when we breathe our last, it's a foretaste of what forever will look like. And Jesus used three words to describe it. Being in torment. That word being intentionally means that it's something that is taking place, but it's a continuing action. Being in torment. So can we just take a minute and talk about what that torment looks like? It's not fun. First, I want you to see that hell is a place of spiritual suffering. It's spiritual torment. What is spiritual suffering? Well, what does sin do? Remember back from the garden, what does sin do? It separates us from God. So spiritual torment is the understanding that I'm permanently separated from God. You're going to see, just as the rich man in this story, I've I've come to a realization now there is a God... But yet I figured out, I am permanently separated from him. I have no opportunity to be in his presence. 
That leads to spiritual suffering. I begin to think about what could have been. I begin to think about all the times someone tried to share with me the good news of Jesus Christ. But hell is also a place of physical suffering. We know this because the Bible says in Matthew 8, there's weeping and what? Gnashing of teeth. The, the Bible is not being symbolic when it says there's going to be pain. When it, when it talks about fire, and I believe it's talking about liber, literal fire that is never quenched, that, that never goes out. There's pain And there's no aspirin, there's no Tylenol, there's no morphine, there's no codeine. Revelation 14, 11 says the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night. Some of you live in pain on this side of heaven. I think that's one of the hardest things of the human existence to live in physical or mental pain. But some of you do. And for some of you, if you can get to sleep, you're looking for that every day because you know that those few hours that you get to sleep you're not as focused on your pain. There's no sleep in hell. That's why Dante in the Inferno would say, abandon every hope, all who enter here. Hell is a place of mental suffering. I know this because Abraham looked at the rich man and he said, hey, remember, remember what you had? Remember what he had? You got yours then? He's getting his now. Hey, do me a favor, raise your hand if you remember some bad choices you've made in life. Yeah, me too. Guess what? You're going to be thinking about that for all eternity if you spend time in hell. Jesus talked about this torment in Mark 9. Just listen to a few of these verses. Verse 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And and by the way, the verses in between these verses, and some of your translations add uh, verse 44, for example, that says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Then it says verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And then it adds, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. But verse 47 says, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. And there it says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. I want you to look at that phrase, where their worm does not die. Notice two things. First of all, it's not worms. That's interesting to me. I would not be surprised if it said worms because we know, again, our body is decaying and what happens? We know that these terrible little things begin to feed on us. They feed on dead carcass. If you don't believe that, that that's what maggots do, then just pull over next time you see a dead possum on the side of the road and see what he's up to. Make sure he's dead, by the way. Maybe it should be one of those squirrels that lost that game of crossing the road. But it doesn't say worms. It said worm. And notice what it says. It says their worm. That's weird. We have personalized worms. What is he talking about? I, I believe he's talking about that mental anguish. I believe he's talking about that memory, that conscious. So you've got all eternity to think about those things that you thought about that never satisfied on this side of heaven. So if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict and you're looking for that next high just to take away what you're feeling right now, you're going to have that same feeling for eternity and yet never get a drink. If you've lived in the lust of the flesh, 
and you've looked for that sexual experience or some kind of self-aggrandizement to give you that feeling of escape, you're going to have those same desires for all eternity and never have that thirst quenched. If you've lived your life thinking that your satisfaction is found accumulating things, all you're going to be able to think about is that you're there with nothing. And you'll add nothing to your pile. In hell, you're plagued by your past, even in the pain of the presence, and it goes on forever. Hell's a place of relational suffering. Did you catch how he cries out to Abraham? Father Abraham, man, just, just send Lazarus down here just to give me a, just a drop of water. I, I think he wanted Lazarus' company as much as he wanted a drop of water. A drop of water is not going to take away the thirstiness. Then he's thinking about his brothers. You know what happens in hell? It's a place of utter loneliness. I come in contact with people that say, I guess it's okay if I go to hell because all my friends will be there. No, not according to scripture. Please understand this. You're not surrounded in a big party. And hell is eternal suffering. It goes on forever. But according to this story, there's some good things in hell. And that's what I want to close with. Can I just give them to you? What are the good things in hell? First of all, there's good people in hell. You need to understand this. Please hear this. Hell is not just filled with bad people. Hell will be full of good people who rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe in I believe in the story that that's what Jesus is referring to because this rich man, Jesus points to the Pharisees as he's telling the story. I think he's describing them. He was probably a religious man. He'd probably done well. But Jesus was trying to make the point that you can never do good enough to earn or deserve your way into heaven. That's why the Bible teaches, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of your works. Because if you would, if it were of your works, you'd just go around saying, look at me. And that's what we see in a lot of religious people that don't seem to get it. Jesus taught us this when he said, hey, there will be those in that day who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. And to those deacons and to those preachers and to those worship leaders and to those church members, Sunday school teachers, he'll say, no, you have to depart because I don't think you ever really knew me. There'll be good people in hell. There'll be good intentions in hell. Some people outright reject the truth of God. But I don't think that's the case with most people you'll come in contact with. They're thinking they'll have another day. They're thinking there'll be another time. They'll think there's another opportunity. It wasn't their intention to spend forever separated from God. You've heard it said before, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are even good prayers in hell. The rich man prays, right? Now, To be honest, he prays to Abraham, which 
Abraham was the father of faith, so we're not going to condemn him for that. But we, we don't pray to anyone but God through Jesus and the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we don't pray to other spiritual leaders. You don't pray to a pastor or a priest. It's not biblical. Just hear me. Regardless of how you've been taught, it's not biblical to pray to Mary. That's not what we do. But he was praying. So what was he praying? Do you see what he prayed? Somebody shouted out. What did he pray? Lord, have mercy on me. You know what's crazy? If he'd have prayed that when he was alive, he would have not been in hell. Because that's how simple it is. You got to cry out to God, recognizing your sinfulness, begging for his mercy, receiving his grace and forgiveness, submitting the control of your life to him. It's a good prayer. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the watch tab at missionhillchurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. There's a good memory in hell. We've already talked about that, so I'm not going to spend much time, but you're going to remember. You're going to remember. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, I, I tell you before before Jesus, by the power of his word, you'll remember this moment. There's good theology in hell. Because the Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 2 that there's coming a day where every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So just understand that. It's not going to be whether or not, whether or not it's true. It, it is true. So there's coming a day where everyone's going to confess that. We, we see that good theology. And then last, I'll just tell you, there are good priorities in hell. Because this story ends by him saying, oh, please go tell my family. Please go tell them so that they don't have to experience what I'm already experiencing. Go tell. But it's too late. At that point, it's too late. The opportunity God gives us to minister in different places around the world, it's not unusual for me to find myself in an airport. And around the world, I have to tell you that our Tampa airport is my favorite one in the world. It's so easy to get in and out of. I love it. But sometimes that gets me in trouble. See, I've discovered that I can technically get to the airport in about 22 minutes from my front door, primarily legally. <laughs> but sometimes that causes me to push it. A couple years ago, there was a morning where I pushed it because that time frame changes if there's much traffic. And there was an accident that day, and there was much traffic. And so fortunately, once I got to the airport, I parked quickly and I ran and I made it through security because I've got global entry and man, that was all good. But as I was running literally to the gate, like you've seen, like, you know, OJ Simpson, I was running to the gate. I saw the lady close the door. And I said, hey, she said, too late, sir. 
And I said, no, no, I see the plane. It's right there. She said, too late, sir. Which, by the way, some of the airline people need more customer service training. But, but I said, please, don't you understand? I need to be where that plane's going. It's right there. I watched you close the door. It was about 30 seconds ago. She said, it's too late, sir. And it was too late. And I want you to understand that no matter what you one day confess with your lips, if you have not professed Jesus as Lord of your life on this side of eternity, it will be too late. The only way to escape hell, it won't be then. The only way to escape hell is to do it now. When I was in high school. There was a big party song from ACDC. Some of the lyrics were these. Living easy, living free, season ticket on a one-way ride, asking nothing, leave me be, taking everything in my stride. Don't need reason, don't need rhyme, ain't nothing I'd rather do. Going down, party time. My friends are going to be there too. I'm on the highway to hell. And I can remember, even in college, just walking into some rooms where that was playing and people were jokingly singing that song. Hey, I just need you to understand, no matter what anybody tells you, you don't want to be on the highway to hell. There's only two responses if you believe what I've just taught you from the truth of Scripture. One response is to do whatever it takes to make sure you're not on the highway to hell. So you need to know that before I walked in here, you were prayed for. Because it only makes sense, as I understand Scriptures, that there are some in this room that have not yet begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in just a moment, we're going to do something that a man I quoted twice did for many years. We're going to sing just as I am. And as we begin to sing, if you've never begun that relationship with Jesus Christ, I beg you, don't wait another day. Last Sunday evening, I was meeting with our deacons and near the end of our meeting, I looked up at my phone and I had a text from my dear sweet friend, Priscilla Reed. And and she said, Paul, I, I just need you to know that my sweet Paul is now with Jesus face to face. And I was shocked. Priscilla is very ill. She's facing difficult battle. And Paul had just begun a battle. He'd just been diagnosed with cancer, but I had just been with him days before. He seemed so strong. And, and yet here's the reality of life. We don't determine the day or the hour or the minute. Don't you wait another day. Do whatever it takes to make sure you're not on that highway to hell. And here's the good news. You don't have to do anything but surrender your life to what Jesus has already done. But there's a second truth. The second truth is that we need to do whatever it takes to make sure that everyone we know, everyone we see, everyone we meet has a chance to get off the highway to hell. That's what I'm challenging you today to 
Let this focus, who's your one, not just be a series for a season in the life of our family of faith, but to become part of our DNA, to live our lives in such a way that we're always thinking about who's on the forefront of our mind that's headed into a crisis eternity. So when you leave today, we we want you to stop by, uh, I know you can stop by our elevator lobby and see a new display we have that that has these little ping pong-like balls. They're they're not exactly ping pong balls because we couldn't afford ping pong balls. They're beer pong balls, whatever that is. Go figure. But here's what we want you to do. We want you to take these white balls and and we want you to write that first name of the person that is your one and you're going to put it in that little container that we have built for you just as a symbolic reminder that you're praying for them. And then some of you have had gospel conversations. I had several of these yesterday. And if you have a gospel conversation, regardless of what takes place, we want you to take one of these orange little balls and and just write that first name on the orange ball just as a reminder that we're having gospel conversations because eternity is impacted when we have gospel conversations. And then some of you are going to have an opportunity to see your one come to Christ. And when they begin that life, when they take that first step of their eternal destination, we want you to come back and get one of these green balls and just write their name on that so that we can be reminded that people's lives are changing for eternity. Help us do that. Help make a difference as we go forward. You can make a difference. You can go to them now, but you won't be able to go to them then. That's the words of Abraham. So who's your one? Several years ago, our family was at Disney World. Noah was a little baby, and we'd just come off the goofy ride in that old area that's now been redone at Disney World. We were situating Noah back in his stroller. We were there with Micah and our, his cousin Matthew and, and little Caleb. If you've ever been to places like that, you recognize if you've got a few kids, it, it gets kind of stressful. As we were situating Noah in the stroller, we looked down and um, Caleb was not around. And if you've ever experienced anything like that, you know how terrifying it is. And at first you think he's just right there and you begin to look and then you realize you don't see him and the panic sets in. And Kimberly and I began to experience that terrifying panic. And, and we began to just run through that whole area. I literally ran all through the store just crying out, calling his name, Caleb! Caleb! I busted through the line and ran through Mickey Mouse's house crying from Caleb! We, went, we, we both ran around that whole area and we didn't find him. And then we started running out of that area and we saw him walking down the little hill with one of the Disney employees. Because we were terrified of what could be happening, we even left our other children to go after him. If you understand the reality of what the Bible says about eternity. 
You are living in disobedience if you don't do whatever it takes to keep those from in our corner of the world from experiencing it. So if you are a Christ follower, here's my request of you. Let's make it hard to go to hell from where we are. Stop worrying about offending people. Stop worrying about turning your family members off. Would you, would you rather upset them today or spend eternity away from them? Let's make it hard to go to hell from here. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.